Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Lightning Dogs, the official podcast presented by the Nerdist Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdist Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdistshow.com. Lightning Dogs is conceived as an all-ages property, but these behind-the-scenes conversations are not all-ages. So listen at your own discretion, baby. Woo! Sometimes a great idea is truly like a bolt of lightning, and sometimes, if you're lucky enough, you can capture the exact moment that it strikes. That's what happened for us one fateful night while recording an episode of Nerdy Show. We accidentally launched a concept that derailed the entire show, and in no time, our lives. We couldn't stop talking about our favorite action figures and B-movies while twisting them into strange creatures, weird adventures, and dog puns. Lots of dog puns. This is the story of Lightning Dogs, a journey steeped in the glory of 80s and 90s animation and sci-fi, where anthropomorphic dogs tear through the wasteland of a ruined earth, battling mutants, miscreants, and the evil Glampire. Coming soon to small screens, comic books, and podcasts. Or at least that's the goal. But how do you go from a crazy idea into a fully formed world of conflict and characters? How does a harebrained discussion become an animated series? That's what we're finding out firsthand. We've recorded the entire development of Lightning Dog since day one, from the moment of conception to every world-building session and planning meeting, and the journey is still ongoing. Tune in as we create the world of Lightning Dogs live. Welcome to another edition of Lightning Dogs. I'm Cap. I'm Doug. And I'm Tony. When last our Lightning Dogs team convened, we used an unconventional tabletop role-playing system called Microscope to help us build the history of our hero's homeworld. With Microscope, you can create timelines for things as big as universes and as small as the life of an individual. For our purposes, it's a method we can use to easily flesh out the rise of a dog civilization after having been abandoned by humanity on a distant world. After one session, it was coming along quite nicely. We are gods. <laughs> and kind of, yeah. Kind of nothing, Douglas. You know, dog spelled backwards is God. It <laughs> is indeed. And we are their masters. <laughs> Can you imagine like an, an evangelical preacher on, dog uh, on the dog world, but of someone who's anti-master? Don't you know what it says? If you spell dog backwards, it spells God. We're masters of our own destiny. <laughs> In our first round of Microscope, we achieved a basic outline of dog civilization's progression from man's best friend to futuristic anthropomorphic action heroes. Our next step is to build off that outline and add in details that will shape the modern world the lightning dogs come from, such as how the discovery of ancient human technology shaped the dog's religion and rapidly advanced scientific progress, eventually leading to a massive global war which many of our main characters fought in, deeply informing the direction of their lives. To better aid in the development of these finer points, we'll be putting into play some features of Microscope that we didn't use before. But before getting back to the Homeworlds timeline, we've got some new concepts for the world of the Wasteland. We're going to share some additional concepts uh, to start out with. For starters, John West, SciTech correspondent for Nerdy Show, can kind of take credit for this one. He was reminding me of how there are spiders, at least in South Florida there are spiders that are they're rather small, and they kind of fold all their legs forward, so they're kind of like a little triangle shape. And it kind of looks like, I, when, he was when he was reminding me of this, I thought, well, I'd always thought that they look kind of like the shape of a hot rod or a motorcycle. So I don't know what we're doing with it yet, but it seems like a perfect opportunity to make some kind of animal transformer vehicle thing, like a spider that folds all its legs forward. The crystal spiders. Well, it could be, and I, I thought about that, but I was also kind of thinking like, Maybe those things are more 
robots and less like animals, and this would be something that's more, I don't know, like, I don't know what it is. No, I, I, I would have to respectfully disagree with you, Cap. It has to be the Crystal Spiders, and it has to be how David Bowie Pyre gets around. I feel this is more of a Halloween Jack kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's more, it's like... It's but little... Halloween Jack tends to, and well, maybe he has well, his own, thing. one that's been decked out, maybe he got like a retarded one from somewhere, <laughs> and that's the one he rides. I, but you, I just you... look at the Glampire sitting there and summoning the Crystal Spiders from wherever he is. Is, and they just come on uh, mass, and he's standing between two of them, arms folded, cape flapping I, in the wind. I can't explain why, but when you put Glampire on a motorcycle of any kind, you degrade him somehow. But like, he's not. Be, riding but Hall- Halloween Jack is the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's not riding it the same way that you would picture. He's or, not riding it like. Hot I'm, I'm thinking. Style. I'm thinking like Halloween Jack season two shows up on this new bike, and they're like. Oh, he's like, what's with the new bike? He's like, well, the lightning dogs blew up my bike in season one. They're in for a pleasant surprise. And then when the lightning dogs show up, it's just like, hey, nice bike, Halloween Jack. You know, <laughs> what's with the freaky spider thing? Oh, you just watch. Hits a button, then it pops out with eight legs. And you're like, run! Just run! It's, it's suddenly it's way more serious. Okay, I, I, I picture that, but I see that having a very different ending with just him going like, yeah, what do you think of that? And then being like, Sonic Bark. <laughs> true, it true. Just <laughs> flips over upside down and oh, our characters God aren't, damn it. Our characters aren't overpowered. Um, not <laughs> no, anymore, it's just, it's not just, anymore. No, it's just that Halloween Jack is exceptionally weak. Nah. Nobody ever worries about Bebop and Rocksteady showing up. Nobody yeah, wh- should worry what? about Halloween Jack. Yeah, that okay, okay. Let me address modern cartooning here for a moment. Bebop and Rocksteady, most recently, beat Donatello within an inch of his life in the comic books. <laughs> Halloween Jack needs to be a real threat, and these guys are a real threat. I don't know. Basically, Halloween Jack's associates, they can be flunkies. But Halloween Jack, he's an actual villain. Like yeah. he, he has to be a little bit dangerous. Otherwise, he can be a little bit you know, dangerous, but yeah. come on. What better way to fuck up his grand entrance on his new bike than to just completely destroy it? What better way to sell before? a vehicle that's also <laughs> a, a creature than to have it kick ass first when you first see it. The sales, Tony. You gotta, you gotta think about the dollar signs, yeah, man. You gotta get I the, bought those things anyway! So they're gonna make a Power Wheels version of this. <laughs> and they still can. Because not every kid's gonna watch the show before they buy the toy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, another thing I got is I had this I had this weird dream where there was this like tree that had fallen over and it was in the water and on it were what appeared to be gigantic orchid blooms of some kind. But as moving past this, I saw that they were only giant grasshoppers that looked like gigantic orchid blooms with their wings folded out. I will have an illustration of this in the link section for this. But there's flora and fauna possibilities in the mm-hmm. world of lightning dogs. Yeah. You know, freaky, strange stuff that uh, that can happen. And then also I wrote down a note, which is really funny because I didn't remember writing it at all. It was in a fever dream, and you'll see why. What if the AI first encounters the lightning dogs via reconnaissance? The lightning dogs wake up one day in a strange dreamlike scenario separate from one another. It's a virtual tool used by the robots to see truth by having subjects act candidly so each of the lightning dogs would be generating their own reality. Therefore, the AI could accurately know the intentions of who they're dealing with. But meanwhile, lightning dogs will garner some resentment because... Oh yeah, their brains have just been invasively tapped in. They went to bed one night. They woke up with a, with this like weird AI squatting on its head with a VR visor or something. You know, like now are we talking like the robots from Antarctica doing that? Yeah. Or okay, because we referred to Wolfman as a Wolfman oh, AI. Oh sure, yeah. Right, right, so right. I wanted to make sure that this wasn't Wolfman. Wolfman no, would not do that to no. them. No, Wolfman. <laughs> Wolfman, like we said, Wolfman's knows Wolf- a very he, simple program. He knows weather. <laughs> he knows traffic, and he knows long distance dedication. Yeah, That's about baby. where he stops. <laughs> He knows but. the right song to fit your mood or chase scene. Really. Absolutely. Absolutely. And perhaps just spitballing off of that, it's like maybe the Wolfman AI starts teaching some of the robot AIs from Antarctica and he becomes like the leader of this AI religion. I, I, I don't think, even I think they would look go. down on him. <laughs> I think I think they think he's a bumpkin. Some of them might. I think we're looking at a city mouse, country mouse situation. These guys are trying to elevate themselves. Yeah, that makes perfect sense for the AIs. It'd be a great opportunity for us to create what each lightning dog's ideal reality would be. Yeah. The only thoughts I had when we were talking about we were talking about the uh, cow tyrannosaur. How to make it, because if they want a cheeseburger, we can't just have them kill a cow. That'd be very depressing. So if it's like a giant monster tyrannosaur thing, that'd be kind of cool. But then I thought if there were kind of large dinosaur-ish beasts, like what else, what other large beasts, you know, would we see? And if it's not like cow tyrannosaur, I was like, if a cow was maybe more like triceratops, not in terms of size, but in terms of demeanor what would be an interesting large thing and I don't know 
how intimidating this could be, but I thought it would be more logical if a chicken were like a, tri- uh, a Tyrannosaurus, because it is a bird. And if you just like, if you just picture like a chicken's feet, but the size of a Tyrannosaurus and like a serrated beak with feathers, it could be kind of scary. There could be something. Uh, what I will do then is I will take that and I will make that that much larger than our cow Tyrannosaurus. Right. Right. So they are 30 stories. This is 60. Well, I don't want to go full kaiju on Oh, why it. not? Because we have the kaijus in the ocean. Was like Yeah, we have that, like but that. then we have this legendary land chicken. I'm thinking more the, Tyrannosaur. The, this uh, seems to be something that can travel in packs, something that's not like, a, that sounds like a standalone threat. That sounds like no one can, no one why can not? fuck with that. Because, I mean, well, look, I mean what we, we, because we are, the, the fun thing about that is that we are taking arguably the weakest, most herded creature that we eat in the chicken and creating this thing that cannot be toppled what i'm seeing is that we have to look at the biology of earth and and when mostly it's a it's a you know it's a way for us to just make the craziest shit imaginable Mm -hmm. and that's and that's great 60 story chicken right but i feel that there's also a rhyme and a reason to it in a lot of ways for example it's like the earth has returned to megafauna and they were all very large, but they were also still within a certain realm. They were never as big as dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Gravity and... Um, Oxygen. Yeah. You know. And we I, have the ultimate reason to say fuck you to all of that. I, I think I think it makes more sense to have, as we discussed before, the kaiju and anything kaiju-sized live in the, the landscape ocean. of the ocean. Because that's a place where in that primordial ooze, something like that would be more likely to exist. All right, we'll do um, a sea chicken. It'll be but, a giant But also, also, we need to be aware of like... It's always a good place to start with, you know, spider this, cow, tyrannosaurus, that. But also, don't be confined. Like, this is on Earth. Oh, yeah, But yeah, let, yeah, let's not yeah. be confined to Earth. I'm all, I'm still all for any original new creature that doesn't exist at all. I was just thinking in terms of if they had to eat certain foods that right. would be recognizable, how do we get away with it without them literally just farming? And then, like, how, how, would, how would it be fun and interesting? I'd rather see like a little, you know, actual chicken-sized things, but they're terrifying, like a like cycloptic. That like, too, yeah, 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 yeah. Like kiwi birds. Like running the, around, the whole you know? world needs to be hostile. Yeah. You know, it's it's nothing. So it's easy. a giant Australia, which is why our leaders at yes. Dingo. Yes, yes. There you go. That is a, that is the direction we're moving. In. I mean, this is Mad Max. This is yeah, the Road yeah. Warrior. And we talked about uh, in our wildest dreams. This thing is so successful; it would need. Spin-offs, like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. How many spin-offs does Power Rangers have? I mean, it's ridiculous. Oof. I'd yeah. say who knows, but I think some of our, so, oh, some yeah, of yeah, our yeah, associates yeah, yeah. on Nerdy Show know. Oh, yeah, they <laughs> definitely know. Uh, but I thought, what, 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 is, what is the spin-off equivalent while Lightning Dogs is taking place? Because we're clearly we're designing the dog planet, and this might be a good segue to, to, get the, into dog, it. to the dog planet. But while Lightning Dogs is happening on Earth, what is happening back on the dog planet? And if the idea was, mm-hmm. okay, well, Dingo has severed the tie to earth and we don't really the dog dog plan doesn't really fully understand what's happening they still have a far fetch they still are trying to find a way back cuz i'm thinking on 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 earth dingo destroys the far fetch how are they going to get home that's the premise of lightning dogs how are they going like are they going to find another far fetch they going to build a far fetch that's something we still have to determine but on the dog planet what is their plan like what is the thing that they're trying to do if they're trying to go to other worlds where other human colonies were sort of the stargate sg1 side of things you could totally do a side series that takes place at the same time of lightning dogs where their ultimate goal is to get to earth via layover and all these other abandoned master colonies and there's all kinds of crazy shit you could do for every other planet they go to so that's true the gloves would be 100 off, off. Yeah. yeah yeah but that's uh, and like, might be a good spot for Chihuahua and the Terror Terriers. Yeah, for any other miscellaneous stuff, we're like, you know what? That's great, but it doesn't really fit into Lightning Dogs. That's where that. Have we ever have we ever talked about Chihuahua? No, uh, because I have no idea who the fuck Chihuahua is aside oh, you, you from just, the name. You just heard me throwing that around earlier. Yep, and then I picked it up and figured that it no, would make no, a good. No. There's not a lot there, but we'll we'll address it because it, it easily could come up later. Our live producer John Laval, as soon as he heard about Lightning Dogs, he was like, "Oh my God, I have these <laughs> these stereotype characters. Let me sell you on them." <laughs> And oh god damn it. One of, the, one of them was a German Doberman called something that was a Terminator pun. And then the other one was a Mexican Cheech Marin sort of Chihuahua that was a mercenary called Chihuahuaser. Who was a sniper. Who was a sniper. Which now I am behind the idea of a Chihuahua being a sniper. Yeah, I think that's cool. I think and I think visually Chihuahuaser could be really cool, but we've talked about this. Yeah. We're not the goddamn Road Rovers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> However, 
I can see him being part of an ensemble, owning up to that, being all right with it. Okay, so here's where I think Chihuahua fits in. There's probably a better place for him as far as visibility goes. But I like to think that, like, during the Great War, <laughs> this is, like, Chihuahua was the crazy... Like, imagine, he was the White Death, like, basically. Imagine <laughs> if, the great, if the Great War had moments that were a lot like Nam, then Chihuahua <laughs> was, was the weird little, like, crazy son of a bitch who paints his face in blood and it frags everybody, mm-hmm. you know? The one where he's, like, he disappeared for 30 years nobody knew what was going on but every once in a while you'd hear like this this high ranking yeah. this high ranking yeah. official of the opposing army had died like how after world war ii ended there were some islands where the japanese soldiers refused to believe that the war was over they kept fighting it's just fucking ridiculous anyway so, so, so that's where yeah, Chihuahua so, yeah. so, so as a side as a side show to lightning dogs there's a whole world to open up the, the reason why you bring it up is because Talking about expanding this world beyond even just Earth, we have a dog planet. Now we have a dog planet with access to a Farfetch, which has access to thousands of other potential planets. This is a whole universe of cartoon madness. It's Dr. Howell. What's that? Dr. Who? Oh, fuck you. Ha-ha! God, that's terrible. That is <laughs> You legit. are no longer my friend. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's why I'm on this side of the table. You guys can because go I can't fuck reach, off. I can't reach you to strangle you from this end of the table. Oh, All please right. let's get into this. <laughs> let's, get, let's put that as far back behind us as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I don't remember whose turn it was, so we're just going to start from I think scratch. I, and, no, and, I, finished it, I finished it off, so I think it goes right back well, to Doug. good memory, Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, background to Doug then. Doug, you have a new element of microscope to introduce. Yeah, it's something we didn't use last time because we were just trying to get this thing started, but there is an element of the focus and the lens. So, for example, if it's on me, that person, whoever's turn it is, is like the lens. And I get to choose what the focus is for this next turn. Mm. It's my turn, but everybody still gets to play. For example, I will say the focus is technology created by the crystals. We can't talk about before, after, whatever. And where it fits within the timeline, whether it be related to the discovery of the crystals, utilization of the crystals. And we go from there. I can get more specific if I want, or I can be vague like that. For example, I could also say crystal technology, but only crystal technology that is more advanced than human technology in reality today. Wow. Now, Now, you can get that specific. If I decide to be that specific, that doesn't mean it only takes place in our our latest periods. You could have it go back here and say, oh, man, the first person to invent a laser gun, because we don't have laser guns in reality. You could say the first laser gun was invented during the Inquisition period here, because that technically counts as something more advanced than humanity has actually today. Or you could have it say, because laser technology that humans have is in our future, it's buried here sometime in the past. You could say when it was first dug up here... That still counts. You could do an event after the discovery of the first weapon or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it all has to just tie in somehow. It could even be, it could, you know, if I were to say, okay, instead the focus is going to be on pre-crystal technology. What were they first doing? Gunpowder or whatever. You, if you wanted, you could do a scene super in the future at the tail end here where dog archaeologists uncover the original first prototype uh, gunpowder uh, weapon that they first developed. As long as it ties in somehow, it's all fair game. So it's our opportunity to bullshit Yes. So that we can yeah. figure out how our brilliant idea ties into your stupid-ass focus. That's why it's built in that way. Gotcha. Yeah. Or you don't have to set up a focus. You can just say, my turn is whatever. Everybody does what they want. After it comes back, whoever's the lens, whoever's turn it is, they get to do two cards. But they have to be nestled within each other. So, for example, I can't say, I make two new periods. I have to say, all right, well, I make a period and an event. Or I have to pick an established period, and then I say, I make an event and, and a scene. scene. Or two scenes inside of a period so okay makes sense to me yeah but that's again that's all optional you don't have to do any of it that's just like if you have an idea that you really want to get down you can do it that way so then i'll say all right i will say i want to do a focus on technology after crystal technology is kind of being perfected and i will say the focus will be crystal technology that we don't have in reality right just to keep it specific that we can make it big again so i will start by saying um, they clearly have laser weapons. I mean, one of the earliest things, things we talked about was what happens when, when an ancient civilization yeah. discovers like mm-hmm. something that could be used as a weapon. Mm-hmm. And the real trick there is that at what point in society will those weapons break? Do they stop finding new ones? At what point are they able to actually reverse engineer? Because any complex machine that we have is going to involve microprocessors and all kinds of different right. things needed. So there has to be an industrial revolution somewhere in this timeline that could enable them to even start to think about doing something like that. Because mm-hmm. they could regulate crystal power, but they would need, you know, 
a giant warehouse sized machine or something to like perfect it eventually. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can make they can get quantum computers faster than we've ever conceived of them. Right. Um, but um, I think I'm gonna do an event card set in the high society, which is labeled as the pinnacle of canine culture. So I guess that would also mean pinnacle technology wise and of their um, mm-hmm. of, of their society. After the war, things are looking good. So I'll say an event in that time period, something that would be very positive. I'm going to say their equivalent of like the internet, like how they, like society is united. I'm going to call it the, the, the bark net for now. Whatever. Fuck it. Embrace the dark side, yeah, Doug. Yeah. I'm going to say. Have fun with the puns. Uh, it's not even the, a pun, man. That's not even a pun. It's just, it's just, I couldn't call it the K9 net. You know, it makes no sense. So I'll say. It doesn't that. have to be. It uses K9 cables. Ugh. Instead of Cat5. I, I they know. started with Cat5, but the K9 chased that cord. Oh, God. The BarkNet is available to all dog kind. So in other words, like, even today, Internet's not available to everybody. But the BarkNet, sort of like in a, in a Nikola Tesla dream way of free energy for everybody. Yeah, Growl everybody. came up with it. Yeah, yeah. This is the <laughs> and something to remember about the high society point is that it is, for the America of the dog world, or the free world, everything's great, but there's still, you know, there's still, like, a, a beaten down Germany, a USSR out there. Mm-hmm. And like, Although I would, I, I would imagine that, the, well, we'll get to that. That's whatever. All right, there's your event. Because then, again, this can be pushed down to be as late right. or as whatever or, you know. So, yeah. That's my first one. So then on to Tony. Actually, I wrapped up, so it's Caster. Yes. Thank you, Tony, for being smarter than me. I have never heard that said before. <laughs> I am going to treasure this moment forever. Um, okay. The Age of Enlightenment. If we're, we're looking at a, a species with an extremely accelerated grasp of technology, mm-hmm. we talked about the first flight and all that. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine that that was a, a simple engine powered by either either some if fossil thing, if that was if fossil fuels of some kind were actually uh, available, but most likely a couple crystals hooked up to a you know a dynamo and and generating power and so on. But it seems likely that as soon as they cracked the nut of how to use crystals to power engines, they could accelerate that exponentially so mm-hmm. whereas the age of enlightenment for humankind you know there's a lot of travel a lot of exploring and so on and it was ships that took months and months to get from anywhere this is like an industrial like, revolution almost it, yeah you know they, they could have sonic slingshots or whatever just mm-hmm. like concording all over like not safe but functional mm-hmm. that's why dogs have litter so that you can lose a couple <laughs> <laughs> right but and this would be like at the end of that period it started with the first dog flight but, like, this Age of Enlightenment is also an age of exploration, an age of communication. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd imagine that it's a world where there's, because of how fast everything's moving, there's uh, less, there's not, they're not going to find, like, new tribes of dogs or anything. It's more right. likely there, there'd be just new land, mm-hmm. like, probably untouched by dogs. Mm-hmm. There's no bones here. Nobody's buried anything. Mm-hmm. It begins relatively with the first dog flight, and it ends with these extreme capabilities that eventually lead into the sci-fi war that is the Great War. Because when you can start moving anywhere, suddenly it's who gets what land, who belongs where. Tying back into the that which came before. And I am going to also delve into the... I'm going to add an event to the Age of Enlightenment where the first dog cinema piece comes into existence. This is where the artistic side comes in. This is where the artistic side comes in, where they are utilizing crystals to do holographic projections of stories being told. And the story being told is that of the lightning dog. Okay, sort of like, yeah, like the first movies, uh, yeah, all right. So we'll call it's a big, it, important moment in culture, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, fuck, without cinema, without storytellers, we wouldn't be making lightning dogs right now. Children shuddering in theaters at the uh, the reproduction of lightning as though it were real, <laughs> much like the locomotive speeding towards <laughs> the camera. Absolutely, and since these are crystal-powered things, this is something, it's a completely all-encompassing experience, so it's not even that separation of a screen in front of you. <laughs> Do you ever feel like maybe the crystal's too much of a MacGuffin? <laughs> I don't think we've overused it yet. In a word, no. In two <laughs> words, fuck no. I think if we're not careful, it could be. But I think uh, I think we're still on track. It's just the right level of MacGuffin, though. Mm-hmm. Because we're giving it all this power, and then we're going away from it. It's Energon. Who knows what Energon does? Everything. Nothing. All we know is that there's a limited supply of it on Earth, and the Autobots and Decepticons both want it. Any human city in between them be damned. Literally, they all have dams, every single one of them, and somehow that's all where all the energon that, is. Then that's where you lose us, Tony. <laughs> I'll just say it just it makes more sense than unobtainium from Avatar. Right. As long as that's fine, which we're on track. Let's face it, with my naming history, my naming convention, my penchant for puns unobtainium is fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> 
How do they record stuff? I mean, like, the thing that makes the crystal technology possible is all advanced modern mechanics. It's all semiconductors and regulators and all kinds of stuff that takes multiple industries to perfect. They know it's possible because they've been reaping the benefits of it, but it is going to be easier for them to start technology based on what's more available. Mm -hmm. Like, so maybe there could be something that's a precursor to crystal cinema. But that said, if the humans are operating videos based on crystals, if, if that's the level they're at, and it might not be the level they're at because they're just getting the crystal stuff started. They got enough of it together in order to make this jump and everything. And something to consider as well is a, a crystal can be refined to a lens. Imagine a camera that powers itself, that records to itself, to where you just swap the lens out on the front of a camera, yeah. and that's that's your film. You take it into one of the editing bays and you edit that which is actually on the crystal. What if the lightning dogs, by the time that the mission happens, are actually concerned as a species that they're going to run out of crystals? Like they actually, they're like, no, we fought this war. It was over materials. It was over, you know, like land and crystals and everything. And we recognize now that this is finite. It could run out. And so now they're in a similar situation to, to Earth, except the difference is that they're a planet where they're naturally occurring. Not that there's a full-on crisis, but that it's part of, like, we know, we need, to, we need to get out there. We need, it's time for us to, like, to get out in the stars because we have a reliance on this technology now, and it's not going to stop. And, so. if this, and, and if it becomes common knowledge that we're starting to run out, that could sort of break the truce that's kind of happening. Like, yeah. that, could, that could cause trouble for, like, if, if, you know, you just fought a great war, everyone's kind of tired, and you're at the pinnacle of high society, then you get to a point where it's, like, the nerdy's like, um, excuse me, gentlemen, uh, but the, uh... Crystals are running out. It's like, I don't believe in crystal climate change. I don't, you, you mean it grows naturally on the land. How could we ever run out of crystals? And it's like, well, we're we, over-harvesting them. <laughs> that's another card to go right here. That is, I think that is actually, that sounds like our last mm. event before the lightning dogs. Well, I mean, leave. should we just shove it in rather than having somebody use a turn on it or? I mean, if, yeah, we'll just, we'll, here, I'll just, I'll, uh, so would this be public knowledge or kind of on the download? Oh, definitely on the download. Well, this is definitely the, a dark on the, circle. On the download first, but I mean, they're a full-fledged world with all kinds of analysts out there. There's plenty of environmental scientists who would be well aware of the risks. All right, we got a black dot in high society. Dog government knows for a fact that they're running out of crystals. Uh, this is announced during a science summit or some, you know, kind of event. Will we ever see this drama? Who knows? Mm -hmm. Well, actually, we could as part of the microscope game. I could that's even, true. I could right now say, I want to do a scene. I want to do the scene where the person gives a speech. But that's what the scenes are for, to answer those questions and say specifically, zoom in on a character, even if we never talk about that character again, like great moments yeah. in dog history. <laughs> great, 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 moments, <laughs> great moments in dog history is scenes, basically, yeah. out of this. For my last card that I'll do before my turn is over, I will say... I wonder if there's something during the Great War that the canine kind uncovers that was similar to what was Aaron doing on Earth. I mean, we don't know what it was just yet. I don't know. Then it might be something that we leave that for when we're doing Earth. Yeah. And then if there's an opportunity for us to come back to this and add it in, then fantastic. Mm -hmm. We'll do it with the Vince Gilligan approach. We will introduce something not knowing what we're going to do with it and then play it out later and pretend like we knew what we were doing all along. Breaking Bad style. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll do an event under High Society. Okay. That will be the launch of the dog NASA. What would be what would be the, the, the canine space exploration team that starts with astronomy, but also maybe launching dogs into space. But of course, we read no interstellar travel, so it would be very limited to what they're doing. This is like the start of their looking at the well, stars. Well, within the High Society thing, we've established an internet. Mm -hmm. Now, the internet is made possible by satellites. Mm -hmm. So that'll be before and that. we assume rockets and so on would be part of the Great War. The that True. That technology True. was tethered. So, in theory, some aspects of space works would have been established at some point earlier. In fact, if we're doing supersonic travel... Oh, yeah, I would say like that's not the, a stretch from... The Age know, of Enlightenment yeah, could be... Yeah. I mean, we could, even, even, we could even stick it on this card if we wanted to. Like, supersonic travel, dogs break the atmosphere or something like that. You know, like, first satellite deployed. Like or, in an effort to gain superiority over their enemy, it's happened, something that happens during the Great War. We gotta ask ourselves if they're using crystals to create an infonet, if that's actually what they're doing. They're not just, like, like, is it a network as we understand it now, or is it something more 
sci-fi. I would say it's a little more sci-fi in terms of their communication. Basically, you can communicate with anybody. This is right. like this is this is just ahead of where we actually are. Would be with this. Is, internet. is it under the same principles? Do we need satellites? Like, is it is it hooked I don't up? Know. I was, how, I, how, how do you just when, when I pictured it, I was thinking more like Logan's Run. Like Logan's just sort of he's he's in his flat and he's just sort of like, oh, let me turn on the TV and then whoop, it's just like a giant thing. It's like, all right, I can look, I can literally look up anything I want. I can talk to anyone I want. It's it's information. It's entertainment. It's literally everything. At the same time, I mean, if we ask too many of these questions, we might get beyond what we know and truly understand. Well, sure, but this is actually kind of important because we're going to see our characters using this stuff. And when we first meet them, like this high society realm, this is where we kind of need to know how's it going to work? What's it going to look like? Well, I mean, what's it going to... I would argue that we just need to know what it's going to look like. The limitations of it are less important because they I'll, use I'll, it. Very you know, true. I'll, very specify, true. I'll specify, I'll say space exploration program. That doesn't mean they've actually landed anywhere, done anything, but the equivalent of a NASA sort of deciding we're going to go out and look outwards. Right. Sort of. The uh, world's thing. out on the frontier. You know what? That might even take place after uh, the, the crystals are running no. low. And bear with me here. World's out on the frontier. Or woof. It has merit, but I'm not going to say yes. <laughs> Boldly adventuring regardless to knighthood. Bark. I got it. You know, the, the danger of making everything a pun is that we might, if we use them all, we, when we need one, we might, you know, we can't have two barks, we can't have two woofs, we can't have two arfs. We just, we have to have one and one good one. But we can have so many and I'll always come up with another one. You got to remember, my bark is worse than my bite. Uh... <laughs> Which is breathtaking, interstellar, tremendous exploration. So I'm going to put that after they realize, oh, shit, we're running out of crystals. Time to look into the stars. Okay, <laughs> We need to find an answer. Here, you want uh, weird puns? Angelo is part of the armed reconnaissance force. Uh-huh. We'll go with Ark. <laughs> On the cat. You, you, sir, get to pick what the focus is if you, if you have an idea in mind. Okay. Or we can just uh, make the rounds. Let's talk about ways that the actual artifacts that were left behind by the humans influenced dog culture. So that's going to happen a lot earlier in the early spectrum mm -hmm. because, like I've been kind of mentioning all throughout this, it is a very challenging thing for as a society, you recognize that there is a higher being. They've left things. They're more than words and prophecies. They're straight up things you can hold and do stuff with and give you power over others. So that's the focus. What I'd like to add, mostly just to get it done, to get it out there, is to place the Industrial Revolution on the spectrum so we know when they start refining metal, when the steampunk era of the lightning dogs happens, basically. Mm -hmm. And and with their advanced technology, who the fuck knows how, how steampunk it could actually get? Yeah, well, because like, crystals by themselves don't do shit. You can't just say, oh, I have a crystal. Now I can build a machine. It's like, no, you got to make metal. You got to build frame framework. You know, you have to build, you have to build wires. You know, you have to build a computer chip for it to run on. Like you have to grow as a society yeah. to get there's, to that point. We're in so many ways unprepared to truly figure out what that would do to a society. But right. we're going to try. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, at the end of the day, friends, Doug, Cap, it's not about how it works. You don't need it's to remind us of that. We, we know, we know. So Industrial Revolution... The hard part about this is that, it, as any industrial revolution, it is neither a white nor a black. Mm -hmm. As far if it's if you're talking about the environment, it is a black. But you know, also, uh, I would say it's positive overall because they're going to start building machines. They're going to start learning. They're going to start growing. Okay, industrial revolution. Dogs begin manufacturing the means to use crystal tech. Steampunk? Question mark. And I think that's going to be right hmm. before the Age of Enlightenment. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Yeah, so it's gotta it's gotta be bleak, it's gotta be dirty, and then they'll be able to have a, a renaissance effectively once they kind of clean up their act. Now, a part of me wants to put the Industrial Revolution before the Inquisition period, but I think that the Inquisition is more interesting as a as a like an ancient Mesopotamian kind mm-hmm. of yeah, kind of thing. It, it seems more befitting of a holy war crusade type era. Yeah. It's like they would look at crystal technology like like we have them discovering that ancient weapon, that laser mm-hmm. drill. It would seem like they would treat that as a holy relic rather than recognizing its technology. Mm-hmm. Whereas industrial revolutions where they start to go, wait a minute, this isn't holy, this, you don't pray to this, this is a machine of some kind. Well, why don't we build a machine of some kind? But then maybe all I've just done is doubled up on Age of Enlightenment because maybe we're talking about the same thing. Maybe the Age of Enlightenment and the Industrial Revolution are, are one and the same. Or maybe the Industrial Revolution is the period at the end of the Inquisition that, in, that allows the Age of Enlightenment to happen. Which... There, well, I would say there's a shift in, in, in attitude here because... The gods from the past is basically them discovering the human master technology. Right. Inquisition is them misunderstanding it. Industrial Revolution is the start of understanding it. And the Age of Enlightenment is where they separate from human culture. This is where the dog culture really starts to take on a life of its own. Here's where they start making the moments in dog history, like flying and doing this, all these things they want to achieve. Once Here's where they learn how to do it. The, the one tagline, and I'm reading this upside down, is the Merry Christmas, war is over, all this text starts to make sense. Yeah. Which is Age of Enlightenment. We didn't actually ever discuss a legitimate war there, but there could be one. The idea, well, here I think we were hinting that the Inquisition was... Um, Violent. Yeah, not necessarily a war, but it was, I mean, because the real Inquisition wasn't really a war. It was, it was a movement. But the Industrial Revolution is a, a great opportunity for civil wars and other smaller things that would never True. get up to. I mean, it could, yeah. we, could, we could easily say... That oh yeah that's where World War One happens it's kind of where World War One yeah, happens civil, civil War too right. as well but we want the Great War to be we want instead of having World War One or World War Two we want them to have just one big one thing, big yeah. World War yeah. to help us streamline our own shit mm-hmm. but but that's a great opportunity for conflict in there mm-hmm. uh, I am going to go ahead and add an event to the Industrial Revolution that kind of kicks off this this understanding okay and what I see happening is one of the machines being overused and exploding. The resulting explosion not only melting the metal that it surrounded, but also some of the stones in the surrounding area, kind of giving an idea to, say, these dogs that they are made of the same material, which kind of gives them that in to start. You just made me think of a thing that for some reason we've never thought of before, and I'm a little baffled by it, and that is, you're talking about crystals, you're talking about explosions. A crystal explosion... The only difference being that it's hooked up to the Farfetch is what gives the lightning dog's powers. We've never confronted that. The fact that it is an interdimensional gateway? Maybe. Like, we can... If we I'll wanna, fudge if we wanna... that. I'm going to say it's the fact... It is the... You, it is the... Well, here's the thing. He, Tony's talking about, like, a single machine that has a crystal that explodes. Farfetch probably has a lot more than just one crystal involved. It's enough to transport no, it, matter yeah. it's a, it's a across. Big, it's a big heap of crystals. I'm just saying, like, if there was any opportunity for that to be a known effect... From any common thing, we just we just have to make sure that there's information ingrained in whatever it is we're doing that makes it clear. Should anyone too much exposure it. to crystals will mess you up? Is the idea? Or when we're talking about the farfetch, it's tapping into the crystals' power. They they enable like the tracking and warping and so on. But there's also some other element to it, like um, you know cosmic rays or some other MacGuffin to work in there. Where do the powers come from? Well, maybe they're the result of some dimensional warping, like extended evolution. Like, because, oh, okay, so the crystals... What if it pushes the evolution forward, like in the blink of an eye? Right. But then, okay, so then maybe that's the next era that crystals have to offer. The lightning dogs are in a position where they can understand, maybe they they haven't had any reason to do the research to think, to know that it's unusual that they evolve so quickly because it's so natural for them. So why would they ever think like, oh, no, if you take the crystals out of the equation, we would never have evolved right. this quickly. Right. It's impossible. But they don't know that, and they'd have no reason to question it, maybe. Like, they would, it would be like a science that they just take for granted. Like, these things power our own cells? What? But something needs to be special about the Farfetch in such a way so that it's unlikely that such an incident would have ever happened in the past, or if it did, it was never in a modern era. No one had superpowers. We can't have superpowers in this world. They have to be special. I'm just, I'm really surprised that this never, <laughs> this never came up earlier. Mm-hmm. By the um, same token, if it took this long to come up for us, the creators, how long would it take to, for somebody who was just watching and enjoying this as an in-media well, res? Because something to remember, too, 
This is all behind closed doors. We know it. Our fans who are listening to this will know it. Most but likely in terms of the, it's not going to come yeah. up in the show. But in case we need it, it'll be there. Is the idea. So mm-hmm. ultimately, I just I think that one thing that we've never directly addressed, but I've always pictured, is that when they destroy the far fetched, it's on. This is something going. Right. Is they were about to go home, and it's Dingo who decides while God, this can't... thing is whirring. He destroys it. The mixture of those energies required combined with the destruction of the technology and the explosion of crystal energy. Who is... knows what would happen? Because, I mean, I, again, the Farfetch, even in human technology, is the most advanced piece of technology they have. In fact, the Farfetch that they have was not created by dogs. Like, they uncover one mm-hmm. and they, like, reverse engineer it. And they, it, call, and they call it a Farfetch. Yeah. And the humans, when they finally meet the master, you mean the Stargate? Yeah, whatever oh, it they're is. Fucking. Yeah, yeah. Can't use that term, but yes. I, yeah, I, I, I just, it's, man, it's, think about when lightning dogs get contact back and they're like, oh, by the way, we have superpowers. We have powers. Yeah. That's a new arms race. As soon as they know that's even possible, like, Ooh, it's. Well, I on. see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. How would that knowledge affect them? But but we don't. But we don't. This we're microscope not, game yeah, only we're, it ends. We're not. We're like, not concerned. Yeah. But like later on for the spinoff show <laughs> yeah. with Chowser, uh, something. Uh, so Tony, ex- ex- uh, give me some more explanation for what explosions melt machine and sediment alike. Dog kind starts to understand materials in their technology. Now, what exactly does that mean? What it means to me is because up until this point, we haven't addressed anything like smelting, the melting of metals. Right. Anything that Doug was mentioning in terms of actually putting things together. And there's no reason for them to necessarily have done any of that. The technology and weapons that they've been using would either be rudimentary clubs, stones, and then the occasional bit of super advanced tech. There's enough of it lying around that they wouldn't have had to have made anything necessarily. Oh, I disagree. I not want. Well, yeah. I, I, here's here's I think splitting the difference here. I think as far as like melting metal, like making swords and things, that would happen earlier. But I think what correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what Tony's talking about here is more of like they start to look at the crystals as not a religious holy thing, but rather something like, wait a minute, I can make something with this. This crystal has melted metal. Normally I need fire to do this. There's something pent up here. There's, so, there's something I can take advantage of here. Like when the guy in real life, when that scientist had the chocolate bar in his in his pocket and the radiation melted the chocolate, and he's like, what the, how the hell that happened? And suddenly he's like, there's something here that I'm not seeing, but it is affecting the world around me. If I can harness that. You see, I appreciate you giving me the benefit of the doubt. I was going with the dumb route. I'm going to stick with your explanation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, we hadn't talked about them melting things. Why would they think stones in this other stuff well, they've are got, the same They've got shit. fire. Like, they can, yeah. they know, they've, they've had, oh, yeah, they got, they have, they've had fire fucking here during the wild. Like, you know, that's. But then why would they have thought necessarily? Because, I mean. It's the same way we did. I'm just, I'm like, stone, stone and to metal that extent, tools. how the fuck did we, come, how the fuck did humans think to themselves? It's the same question as, why the fuck did we think to milk a cow and drink it? Well, you, they probably saw a baby we, calf drinking we, from We another, make milk. And we make milk like that. Yeah. I don't give people that much. You can milk anything with nipples, Tony. (laughs) (laughs) I've got nipples, Cap. Can you milk me? I'll try. Join us next week for the NSFW LD podcast. (laughs) Oh, no. Tony gets milked. Uh, So anyway, my card for this thing. I'm going to put an event under the Inquisition that would be close to the end, just before the Industrial Revolution. Sort of in a Johannes Kepler fashion, someone who normally is looking after these religious artifacts starts to doubt the validity of, like, He's like, I've been studying these these holy artifacts from the masters, and I'm noticing a pattern here. They don't really respond to anything we're doing, you know. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, they just sort of sit there, and we can use it, and but it doesn't really. Uh, it's, it's they seem too, more like tools. Than, yeah, than the, the, the first conduits. The, yeah, so I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, religious official starts you know, to doubt yeah. religion. Not even religion, just the purpose of, of the artifact, where it's like, you normally you hold these artifacts in high esteem, you don't really mess with them. I mean, they can be used as a weapon or as, as whatever, as we can see in other parts of the Inquisition. Right, it's like, you know, you have the ankle bone of St. Andrew, but that doesn't do anything. You can't do anything with that. But if you have St. Andrew's cell phone, then you're like, wait a minute, there's a lot of texts in here and some dick pics. <laughs> what does it mean? Yeah. So I wrote, holy artifact scholar begins to doubt their magic and there may be a natural reason. I'll say bad for him, good for everyone else. Because he's probably <laughs> going to be excommunicated. Yeah. Like, or executed. Him or her. Him. Let's be fair. These dogs aren't that progressive. I think they are, I, I think I think, they're, I think they're a little better than us in that respect. Yeah. Like, since I was the last person to go, I have the option to present a legacy, which I'm not going to do. But for future reference, the idea is like, I can pick something that's already down and say, oh, I want that to be a reoccurring thing. For example, 
the individual who was a holy artifact scholar and decided that maybe there's a reasonable explanation. I want that to be a legacy. So that means it's not a mandate. No one has to do it. But at some point, if we're kind of lost, it's like, whatever happened to that guy? We can figure it out. Or where did that guy come from? We can figure that out. Or but did his ancestors ever, you know, get whatever? Like that that sort of thing, where it's like a little touchstone of a famous dog in history sort of thing. Kind of like what I did with the story being the lightning dog. Exactly. That is a legacy that we didn't even do yet. So, you know what? I'll make that a legacy. I'll say the legacy is... The meme of the original lightning dog becomes a popular thing throughout history from the first thing here. So we touch, we will clearly touch back on that throughout at any given point. That's a legacy. So okay. I'll, so I'll write down lightning dog legacy. But then it's on to Tony. Tony, your turn begins if you would like to make a focus. Is it my turn? Because it would still be Cap's turn next. You decree the next focus and you put down your first card. Oh, okay. Makes sense. What I would like to focus on is more dog moments in history. Just various events, things that have happened that will define their culture. So your focus is great moments in dog history? With great moments in dog history. Okay. Not even with individuals, just great moments in dog history. Within the context of the Age of Enlightenment and the true evolution of dog culture as we know it in high society, going back to their, their origins. Scratch and sniff. Go on. <laughs> on a whole new level, becomes instrumental in dog advertising. That would, <laughs> wouldn't it? It would. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it smells like garbage. I love garbage. Celebrity perfumes, you would smell like that famous celebrity dog. It's like, is she here? I think I smell. Oh, no, she's Gladys. Oh, damn it. It's like... <laughs> the first Mad Men dog. Mm-hmm. The Mad Mastiff. Mad <laughs> Voiced by John Hamm. <laughs> I would, if we can get him. He's a good sport. We'll put this right here, right above the canine cinema. Okay. Okay, yeah. Makes sense. Doug? Okay, this is something that I had mentioned before, but I'd forgotten about until I was driving over here, and this is a great moment in dog history. Is it Shih Tzu's Art of War? No, no, it's Shih Tzu's The Bark of War. <laughs> I knew you'd appreciate that. <laughs> Doug was covering it up so yeah. he wouldn't see so the Tony joke. Tony wouldn't see it, but Tony guessed it. Well, of course he would guess it. Of course. <laughs> You're playing to his level, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, Doug. Shih Tzu writes The Bark of War. I'll say dog philosophy. Yeah, dog uh, philosophy. To know thine enemy, know thy smell of thy own butt. We're going to gods in the past, I would say. Just before the Inquisition. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with that. Crystal Tech allows for primitive radio devices, inspires and destroys, instrumental in civil wars, and sharing new ideas in the Industrial Revolution. Give me a card. I mean, we you know what with crystal radios and all, if they're, yeah. if they're dabbling with crystals, then they're sure as hell going to get that lickety Harmonics, split. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, for my second card, does it have to be within the same era, or so long as it's related to the same thing? Just related to the same thing. It doesn't okay. have to be the same era. No, I just wanted to make sure, because I, I have... Yeah. No, I, I have something that I want to involve by... It's going to just... Well, this is on, your focus. So no, I understand. I'm just saying, based on the nature of what it's going to be, it's going to have to be way back. What you got? Back in the Hunter and Gatherer, right after the Lightning mm -hmm. Dog. Because I, I see that as part of the start of their storytelling. And storytellers start to utilize rough descriptions of cats as their villains. No clear reason as to why. Sort of like how uh, early depictions of Satan are kind of bat-like with wings. And, and it just kind of goes in and how, when you go, no matter what culture you when you find similar stories. Like there's something... Their, their, their version of the devil is like a short snout, like a cat. Short snout, point, more pointed long ears. Long whiskers that long are too whiskers, long. And a, and a tail that is prehensile. Yeah, a tail that just goes all over the like place. Like a snake. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think what you're actually speaking to is the myth of, of dragons and how it's so common across continents and cultures that never once interacted. And it's a, generally a combination of snakes, large cats, and birds, like mm -hmm. predatory birds. The going theory is, and it's a, it's a very sound theory, though it's very somewhat metaphysical, is that it, it involves the, the nightmare representations of all the things that used to kill and eat humans when we were primitive primates. Mm -hmm. And that it's something that, that's carried through in the collective consciousness. No, absolutely. Cats become uh, a mythical creature. Cats become mythical creatures and villains. Mm -hmm. Whenever... You know, and say when we get to because advertising well, dogs ad have dogs can have pretty good relationships with cats. But they can, but let's face it, you can have pretty good. There's gonna be there's gonna be stories later on when it's more sophisticated saying, "Hey, man, cats are just misunderstood. Those mythical creatures, you know, they're not all bad." The Up same here way in, like, in high society, absolutely. Yeah. When we start to see the more progressive well, dogs, the there's, a, there's a Falcor dragon. There's the Chinese, <laughs> Chinese luck dragons are, are always the, you know, they're the, good. The Alistair Crowley of uh, <laughs> the dog kind. Well, they'll speak very highly of cats. But <laughs> 
until that point, like, because especially with cinema and advertising coming into being, we're going to start seeing propaganda. Yeah, I think mythology is an, an intriguing way to go. What we have now are, are very special empowerment things, but they're not particularly weird. The lightning dog is inspiring. It's a good, it's a good legend to have, but it's not. You know, it it's familiar to us. It needs to be what's still something that's weirder. That's yeah, weird. So, but I think we get it requires to get into the flora and fauna of the world, perhaps. But all right, so what I've said is that the storyteller of the lightning dog, the same person who started to perpetuate that, starts to give him a foe in order to create morality tales. Mm. And something he, to overcome. Something, something to yeah. overcome. Something because what we've described is the lightning dog. This is somebody who has faced down nature itself. Mm-hmm. Where do you go from there? It. Yeah. There is nothing on this planet that can defeat the lightning dog. So he calls upon these features, this is, these so memories. So this is like, I would like to add the note, Homer and the Odyssey, a famous storyteller. It, we start to see morality tales. We start to see, but the villain every time is this creature that does not bear a name, but is a cat. It's just him pulling features from his subconscious, from a memory that he doesn't actually have. We could do one more round really quickly if we want to try and focus on uh, the Great War. I, the Great War is not um, a quick round, or or on something else. We get to, to brainstorm it and, and like and at least create a foundation for us to to even start that conversation with. Let's because, do that. Because what, what I'm well, saying, let's break and think about that independently, and then come together with ideas. But we might as well lay this foundation together. Mm-hmm. So the Great War, all we've written is a totalitarian force with some degree of zealotry aggressively takes on the rest of the free world. Ultimately. What this is going to boil down to is how well we can represent an actual war. Well, what kind of things would have actually turned the tide? World War II was very complicated. Like, it wasn't just, oh, it's about land. Well, any war is complicated. There has not been enough here for a military-industrial complex to have been established. During the high society, that's where the Cold War period effectively begins. That's the modern era where, where all that stuff comes from. So this would be a war of ideals, of grandeur. War is dirty, and it's, it's, it's about suffering, it's about casualties. I would like to see this war be something that has more drastic casualties than World War II did. Insofar as, yes. like, we're not just talking about two cities in Japan blowing up. That was something that happened during the war. Yeah, that was the start. Tying back to World War II, the initial plan for nuclear bombs was to use them to clear out infantry in the islands and then send in American troops afterwards. Mm-hmm. So the surrender, luckily, came after that show of force. But what if it didn't? That's viable. Now, I don't want, I don't mean like willy-nilly, but both sides could have fought this to a standstill. Now, obviously, we have to come up with an end game because we, we don't want to paint ourselves into a corner. There needs to be a clear way that they can win this. Well, that's why we um, also, we would include, I mean, a lot of these are going to We don't even know how many factions are involved or, or what it's even really about. So well, it's hard we, to think, we, have, you know. we have described two factions, the totalitarian government versus the rest of the free world. And it's always going to come down to allies versus Axis. And there's lots of, everybody's got their own reasons for being there. Mm-hmm. This is where we start to see some of our characters, though. This is where we start to see Angela. This is where we start to see at least the introduction of Dingo, of because yeah. those with a history in the military, especially because I mean the entire reason we got into this microscope before doing our character backgrounds like we did was we wanted to have the world built for twenty four. Yeah, we we had we had to know what they're missing. The Lenny Dogs this are on our planet. This is where they show up. Yeah, yeah. This is this, this is their home. No, and the Great War is what shapes them. It's what shapes our military characters. Mm-hmm. Not all of them necessarily, mm-hmm. but Kid would be born out of one of the destroyed areas. Or even um, after, really. Like, I mean, well, she's no, I mean, young. out of what I mean is out of one of the areas that was ravaged by the war and hasn't quite rebuilt itself. I mean, picture somebody who, after the... I would say the opposite. If anything, it would be in some place that was, uh, that was maybe militarized because Kid is tech-involved. So she's not going to be in a place that was blown back to the Stone Age, you know, like... It also depends on where society she, is. She, Even if she's going to climb her way out of some cyberpunk rat hole. You know, like... No, and I picture that, but at the same time, what we've also described Kid as is being a prodigy. Someone who understands this to a level that is beyond a mortal being associated with it. Well, she gets she gets picked up by the allied sort of government anyway, because, you know, for her, that's, that's, her, yeah. her skill. Um, but... And, and they wouldn't trust that to someone who's on the other other team, so to speak. Yeah. Like, the, the U.S. government isn't exactly picking up... Uh, teenage hackers from Bangkok. You know, <laughs> what we got to think about is that you're saying World War II is what we should look at. I think that that's very important, obviously. It was a war on a, on a large scale. 
However, given the lightning dog's accelerated history, I think that we might actually find ourselves in a situation where we could draw a lot of influence from Revolutionary Wars. Because imagine the British Empire, which from the time we were born was slowly disassembling itself and is now next to nothing. It's basically an island. Yeah. Wow, that, that was not the case for a no, very I mean, long time. Was, they were the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's assume that there is a British Empire of mm -hmm. some kind. It would make sense for, for a large totalitarian thing because with real dogs, they do like a hierarchy, even in like a household. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's, there's always the alpha. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, we even, we've described this as the war of the alphas. Yeah, that's true. We have, we have, we've talked about that before. So it, it would make sense to me if they're just like one alpha. One leader, that's the way to go. You know, like this, a little primal in thinking. And the other way of thinking could be like, well, no, we can all be alphas. Like, we can well, all be, like, you know, this, I'm just throwing it out there. No, but, I think that, because we talked about it a little bit before, where one of them was the one alpha, my way, what I say is right, law. And there are right. those who believe that that is the way to operate. Mm -hmm. We've got this other one who is essentially almost a republic. I run with a pack. Absolutely. There, yeah, 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 yeah. Asking those questions of like, well, what good is a leader if you don't have a good pack behind you, you know? Yeah, like exactly. And though, I mean, those are our figureheads. And I do like the idea of this global empire versus somebody who's striking out from it. But then how do we also resolve that? Well, sort of like when I was like, everybody's an alpha. I don't mean literally it's that that's just like flat out communism. I would say everybody's an alpha like the you'd have a president who's like, well, I'm an alpha representing this nation. Each of you that are directly below me are an alpha representing your district. Each each individual in that district is an alpha of their own life in, in a household, and then going down and down. It's like a, it's a complete no. And I can even down. no, I can even see the propaganda posters like "Be your own alpha." Yeah, it's like that's the difference. This would be a society where it's like, hey, if you like science, be an alpha in science. We encourage you to be the leader. Like everybody needs to try hard and succeed. If everyone tries to do what they want to do, then we, we as, a, as a whole pack can succeed. Whereas on the flip side, is like, no, I choose where you go because there has to be a leader that makes all these decisions. Like, mm -hmm. there has to be... If, freedom, if, freedom is chaos. Yeah, yeah. The, and the only thing that I was wanting to, to touch on a little bit is while I think we can draw inspiration from the Revolutionary War, I think it's dangerous to use that because ultimately what I was talking about with World War II was our model for like what the battles are going to be like and how everything shapes it. Because the end of the Revolutionary War would not lead into a Cold War. Simply because the end of the Revolutionary War, like, America, I think, like, well... Let's split. Like, we agree to disagree. Well, it wasn't even... <laughs> and that's, that, it was not by history's definition right. a revolution. And America, as it came out, would not have survived were it not for Britain then essentially protecting us for every deal we made going forward. The end of the Revolutionary War was kind of us coming to terms and saying, Look, Dad, I'm going to go out and move out on my own. Can I have $50 for gas, please? <laughs> Britain stopped being our overlord and started being our big brother. Well, they were they were pretty bitter about it afterwards. Like, there were American ships at sea were attacked by the British, and they were shanghaied into the British Navy. So it's not. it wasn't quite as, as it, it amicable. No, like, it wasn't amicable by any means, but we also would not have survived true, yeah. without somebody looking out for us. Because we went from being part of the biggest empire in the world to a series of beach towns. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. And then, I mean, we had kind of an ally in France that then descended... And Morocco, the first country to recognize us as a, uh, <laughs> as a new country. <laughs> and then, and then, I mean, let's face it, and France devolved into its own revolution soon thereafter, mm -hmm. so... I feel like there might be something to it, though, and it is a level of complexity, but um, because we do need we do need to have the black and white, you know, mm -hmm. element of a, of a tyrant versus the the freedom, the, freedom the freedom of be your own alpha and all that. But mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely got to be about a tyrant imposing their ideals. And the American Revolution was in large part tied to taxation and a bunch of like, like ultimately a lot of really petty things that built up because there was a, an overlord that was flexing their way too much. Like, well, we're going to we're going to acquisition your land. It belonged to you. Now it doesn't. That's fine. And I'm all the it, way over here. I'm just telling somebody to do this. Right. That's problematic. There's going to be land elements, and it's going to be like, well, let's say destabilization in the region. So there's smaller countries that are having their own civil wars. They're thrown into chaos, and you've got this, this leader who's like a, a military power in his own country. Like, well, no, like, let's take advantage here. Let's impose order. And that, that feels to them very just. This is out of hand. They supply us with, with, this, with these resources. Let's impose order. You know what could be interesting would be that for most of history, the totalitarian dog kind is kind of the way it goes. Like, especially with going back to the ancient times with spears and, you know, and, uh, and swords, 
No, it uh, 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 Yeah, exactly. But as technology rapidly grows, way more than it did for humans, they'll reach a point where they're like, man, technology is so, like, in the Age of Enlightenment, where you've got some dog tinkering in his own garage, he's the one who builds the first airplane. And the totalitarian dog just says, okay, that's ours now, and now you go to work building airplanes for all of the dog uh, Air Force. And he'd be like, oh, wait a minute, I didn't want to do that. And then it's like, it doesn't matter what you want, I'm the alpha. You know, you got to do this. And they're like, but anybody can build this. Anybody can do these things. So it's like the technology is seeping through. The more you tighten your paw, the more the more the districts will slip through your fingers. Society is growing way too fast and yeah. they can't control it. And that could be an interesting thing where it's like almost like a worldwide, instead of like a world war, it's almost like a world revolution. Almost where it's like people just say, you know what? We don't need this anymore. This is an outdated system. Which, with the technology of interconnectedness that has grown right, over the right, past right. 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. the old ways of doing things do not apply. Like, the American school system is made for the Industrial Revolution. Yep. We are way beyond that now. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you could go online and get a college-level education. You don't get a paper or degree. You can go to the Khan Academy. It's completely free. If you can speak English and you have an internet connection, you can get a college-level education. Nobody will recognize it as a college-level education because it's all a money-making, you know, uh, uh, shenanigan. But you could learn everything you would learn otherwise. You know, Not, and e- it's... economics, history, art, all this stuff. And... Our society in reality is not moving fast enough to catch up with it. We have but, shifted to a very DIY culture yeah. without the infrastructure to handle DIY. And now imagine so, that on an on, accelerated rate. With, with even more antiquated ideals yeah, and societal yeah. structures. There would be a big time shock. conflict. Absolutely. Yeah. So, no, I think that's I think that's our end. I think that's our conflict. Yeah. And, you know, I think we've even got a couple of cards to reflect back on when this starts because the age of enlightenment has got to close with a series of black dots yeah where technology starts to be repurposed by the alphas where it's like it's all about them living on the high horse or even just that moment when because stops being a reason to listen to your parents Mm -hmm. that moment when they sit there and say go to your room why because i said so why because then I got smacked. Why? Because. <laughs> then I cried. I, I think we can have something that's like what happened with Russia and the czars, where there was an alpha of opulence, yeah. which was followed by an alpha of totalitarian control. And if we're equating this to World War II, this is a World War II where Lenin and Stalin were actually like more like Hitler. That dominance that they had that turned into the Cold War was actually a part of this thing. But we have to worry about then in the next discussion, how is this group being beaten back to a point that there's still something left for Cold War? Because, I mean, any place that's war ravaged is going to resent the other people, whether it's the American South or could it be like the British monarchy? It's just a figurehead now. It doesn't even really have that much power. Hmm. It's like there's an alpha just for the sake of having an alpha. So the old old dogs would be like, "Oh, I agree." Whatever the old alpha says, right? Like, but it's more of just like a figurehead. So you, now. you can have you can have a young, advantageous prime minister, and it's plenty of reason to for all the old dogs. Say, say if, yeah. if we're looking at maybe World War One, mm-hmm. which it's plenty of reason for say in this new era that we haven't even clocked yet for a young Adolf Hitler to mm-hmm. take over what the the remnants of who wants to return to the old ways, right? Exactly. You know? yeah, yeah. And that's what they're worried about. That's what they're hoping doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're hoping that they have the only far-fetch. For, for all of dog history, each group had an alpha. Well, now we're a worldwide group. We need a worldwide alpha. And it's just like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Things are working all right so far. I don't think we need that. But there are plenty who would have disagreed. I think that's a good place to close. Yeah, yeah. That sounds good to me, guys. Well, we'll uh, catch you same lightning time, same lightning channel here on the Lightning Dogs. <laughs> In our next episode, we'll conclude the history of the Lightning Dog's homeworld, laying the foundation for our hero's origin stories. In this episode's links, or on our DeviantArt page, you'll find rough sketches of the concepts I mentioned early in this discussion, like the spider that turns into a motorcycle, or the giant orchids that turn out to be grasshoppers. It's been a month since the launch of the official podcast, and the response has been wonderful. Lots of insightful conversations happening on the forums, fan art from Big Bad Shadow Man of the Wasteland Cows, And our Patreon is just over $50 away from our first goal, meeting our basic budget, to cover the operating costs and freelance artist costs that we've been paying out of pocket since we started this project. As of this episode's release, we'll have done our first Lightning Dogs patron hangout. That's an hour-long monthly hangout where we talk about uh, anything you want us to talk about. If you miss out on any of those, or sign up for that support tier later down the road, never fear, 
we record and archive all of them for your listening pleasure. Now, the fastest path to making Lightning Dogs a real show, comic book, or any kind of consumable media is via your support. If you haven't yet joined our pack over on Patreon, but you love Lightning Dogs, even a dollar means the world to us. And as a member, you'll have access to not just awesome perks, but our hub for sharing new developments as they come in. Of course, there's also ways to help that require no money at all, such as spreading the word. Tell your friends about our crazy project, post about us on places like Reddit, or share the art we upload. All that is great for growing the following we'll need to ensure that we can successfully crowdfund future phases of the project or even pitch this premise to a production company, because there's power in numbers. Rating and reviewing Lightning Dogs on iTunes is a great way to spread the word too. Currently, we've got some awesome reviews up there, but not enough for a public rating to be displayed. Just sign on to iTunes and leave a five-star review, or if you've got a little bit more time to spare, why not write a review? It doesn't have to be complicated. In fact, here's a little taste of the love that the pack has been sending. Over on the Dutch iTunes store, Kutsushita said, It is impossible to deny the raw passion that sprung forth from the conception of the Lightning Dogs, a would-be animated series. Anyone with a dream, a hope, or a burning desire will be inspired by the first episode. It's just that powerful and real. Like a loyal dog, it fetches your creativity and inspires without fail. So give them a treat and listen in. Over on the UK iTunes store, Scott John Harrison said, Lightning Dogs, the official podcast, is a behind-the-scenes look at the creative process of creating one of the best 80s, 90s cartoons which doesn't yet exist. A lightning-in-the-bottle idea caught on tape. Every single piece of world-building and character design is on the air. And here's one from the US iTunes store by Cold Fire Surge. I've been following the Nerdy Show feed for years now, and one of the most amazing things to come along is the creation of Lightning Dogs. They've spent a long time filling out characters and piecing together a compelling world to tell stories in. I hope you'll all enjoy listening to them as much as I have. Incredible reviews. Thanks so much to everyone who's joined in so far. Together, we can ensure the awesomeness of Lightning Dogs won't be muzzled for long. On our end, we're working hard to make sure that we get the word out. For example, we're arranging some interviews on other podcasts. If there's any shows you listen to who you think would be a good fit for us, let us know, and maybe we can make some magic happen. In the meantime, we're still full speed ahead, working on the Lightning Dogs Pitch Bible, getting it ready to be looked over by Greg Weissman, creator of Gargoyles and co-creator of Young Justice. For more info on that particular project, and to help fund it, just head on over to patreon.com slash lightningdogs and join the pack. You'll have a front row seat as we continue the epic adventures of the Lightning Dogs. I think one of you guys needs to go outside. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.